Welcome to episode 152 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Lucy, Talinda, Michelle, and Solange. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Lucy, Talinda, Michelle, and Solange for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I will be your host today. Joining me are Tom, Maria, and Grace. Welcome to the studio. Thanks. The first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be our discussion of the topic, Shutting Down as a Defense. Following a short break, we will talk about our lives in recovery, about how we practice these principles in all our affairs. We will follow that with your email and voice contributions, and some brief news about the podcast before closing. I want to open with a reading from uh, one of our daily readers called Hope for Today, and this is page 207, uh, which is July 25th. Growing up with two alcoholic parents, I learned to hide from them before the trouble started. By the time I was a teenager, I was trained to the point where I would disappear as soon as I heard the sound of an ice cube hitting the bottom of a glass. Now, years later, the urge to escape can come over me just as suddenly and irrationally. A slight misunderstanding or awkward silence between another person and me is enough to trigger my fear and cause me to run and hide in one way or another. Sometimes I hide in obvious ways, like not answering the phone. More often, I hide simply by not saying what I really mean, so I can avoid becoming the target of expected criticism. Alanon taught me to think before I run away from a person, a conflict, or an opportunity to share from the heart. When I react in fear, I give power to the unhealthy part of myself that tells me it's not safe to be myself and that I'll never be able to change. Today, my search for new solutions to old problems begins with either self-acceptance or change. So Carrie originally uh, suggested this topic a couple weeks ago, and um, I asked her if she wanted to contribute, and she uh, did leave a voicemail for us. So let's listen. Hi there. This is Carrie from Texas. I'm sitting in my car. The windows are open, so you may hear birds or a car drive by as I'm talking. I wanted to um, call in about the topic shutting down. This is something I've been aware of that I do for about 25 years. My first memory that I have is a fight that I had with one of my best friends at the time. I think we were in seventh grade, and we got in a fight, and we didn't speak for months. And I can remember during the time we weren't speaking, feeling a lot of stress about it. And also, I missed her terribly. And I remember wanting to make it better, but not knowing how. And then what finally brought us back together was that my mom volunteered at school, uh, and she told my mom that she missed me. And I was so surprised by this and felt sad and relieved and then brave enough to make the first step. And when we, you know, finally spoke, neither one of us could remember why the fight even started. And it continued to show up in my friendships and with my boyfriend. I had one friend who was always able to gently break through my walls 
Um, and I remember being fascinated by it and not knowing how she was able to do it. One other example I remembered too, thinking about this, uh, yeah, it was a tough one. It was um, the one time that I actually was able to go to Paris. A friend and I had been friends for years, and we had a summer romance, and a few years later, I'm sorry, a few months later, I went back to visit him in London, and he surprised me with two nights in Paris. And just thinking about that, just that part, it's like, gosh, that's so romantic. So, again, I, I don't remember why the fight started, but what I do remember is that he and I walked around the streets of Paris in complete silence. And, yeah, thinking about that now, it just sounds so absurd. Like, who would do that? It seems like one of us would be able to say, like, okay, let's just talk. But, yeah, it felt like walls were up. And then now, fast forward to my life, my husband and two children, it shows up for me um, by me pushing myself. I call it um, to, to, to doing myself to death. Like my to-do list is the most important thing, and that's, you know, I just do it till I'm to the point of exhaustion. And I pretty much crash. And what that looks like, and it's hard to say, I haven't really told a lot of people about this, but um, I kind of just, like, take to the bed. Like, I just want to be still and quiet and, you know, maybe just watch a movie or um, just be by myself. For me... That is maybe lack of self-care, you know, the halt. Um, am I hungry, angry, lonely, tired? And I think I get myself to a point where I'm all of those things. And then also um, with my husband, who I've known for 25 years, I've lived with for 15, we've been married for 10. In my relationship with him, I definitely shut down. And sometimes I just feel like I need space or time to think about how I'm feeling. Um, about whatever's happening. And it reminds me of something I heard in a couple's workshop that we went to where the woman leading it, where she said that she's an oven and her husband is a microwave. And at first I was confused by it, but when I understood it, I loved it and realized that I'm an oven too. So an oven person is someone who takes time to process. And a microwave person is someone who processes quickly and wants to talk about it and solve it right now. I think that's part of it, too. It's just, you know, that's the way I work. And then, um, thinking about this topic, I looked in the index of courage to change. And, of course, there's nothing, you know, under, you know, shutting down. Um, but I looked up defensiveness and encouraged to change on page 201. This really spoke to me, and I'd like to read it. It's from July 19th, and it says, Al-Anon taught me the difference between walls and boundaries. Walls are solid and rigid. They keep others out, and they keep me trapped inside. Boundaries are flexible, changeable, removable. So it's up to me how open or closed I'll be at any given time. They let me decide what behavior is acceptable, not only from others, but from myself. Today, I can say no with love instead of hostility, so it doesn't put an end to my relationship. I've learned about boundaries from Al-Anon's own set of boundaries, the 12 steps. 
Although their purpose is to protect Al-Anon, they actually encourage growth of the fellowship. This is true of my personal boundaries as well. As I decide what is and isn't acceptable for me, I learn to live protected without walls. Today's reminder, do my defenses keep me safe or do they isolate me? Today, I can love myself enough to look for healthier ways to protect myself, ways that don't close everyone out. And then the quote is from um, Joseph Fort Newton, and it is, People are lonely because they build walls instead of bridges. And, yeah, that really fits for me. I mean, I had heard the word boundaries, but I realized a couple of years ago that I really, I did not grow up um, understanding them and um, experiencing them with my family of origin, which was just me and my mom. Just about boundaries, something that I really thought was really cool. It was a couple of years ago again, and I was like, all right, I'm going to practice this. And so I set a boundary, but, you know, I, it, I, I realized I didn't even have to speak it. It was... It was some. It was like a you know internal um, conversation I had with myself, and that really spoke to me that I didn't have to verbally say something to someone. And I realized then that boundaries can be really gentle and flexible and quiet and private because I really thought that I had to be kind of like in my warrior, like you know, ready for to defend myself against whatever it might be. And I really liked that because it just, yeah, again, it just sounded really gentle and felt gentle to me. So, yeah, I really appreciate the topic because, as I said, I've been aware of this for many, many years, and it's kind of baffled me. So, yeah, thank you so much, and I'm going to keep listening. Thanks. Bye. So in preparation for this topic, we came up with a list of Statements, different ways in which we might be shutting down. And I'm going to ask each of you in turn to identify maybe with one at a time. And if you can remember an instance where that happened, that's uh, fantastic. And uh, we'll have a little discussion and and find all the ways that we do this thing, because I think we all do it one way or another. Maria, you want to start? Um, yeah, so I really related to this one that we have on our list here. It says, instead of doing something, I chew over my problems in my head over and over. I mean, it really could be anything that I'm currently worried about. I'll just, you know, think about all the different angles of it, you know, stay up in the middle of the night thinking about it, and just, I just get stuck in my head. I know you've you've talked about also doing the internet thing. Oh yeah, that's oh yeah. That that's another thing. Oh yes, here we go. This is under uh I escape into a book slash movie slash TV show slash video game slash internet. That's my thing. Um when I don't want to face something where I will just start in and um you know, we'll start in with something innocuous like, oh I'm gonna check up look look up this one little useless piece of or you know, useful piece of information that I need to know and then and then I'm off and I could just spend hours just looking up, you know, I go from here to there and I'm looking up who knows what and it's hours later and it's like, wait, where did my life just go? I, I'm, I've just been on the internet. Um, so yeah, that happens to me a lot. How about you, Grace? What do you identify with? I identify with 
conflict just shuts me down. Sometimes I can't even talk. And then I would add, sometimes I run away, (laughs) literally. (laughs) (laughs) So if I have most of my conflicts now are with my boyfriend. An example, I guess, would be conflict over a a schedule of things that uh, we were supposed to do. And he kind of escalated really quickly with his uh, his tone of voice, and that scared me. And um, I mentally just like like my brain turns to to f- mush, I guess, or you know, just like like the old fashioned TVs, you know, used to fuzz out at night. <laughs> and I I can't get any words out. I don't even I I, I can't even like formulate a coherent sentence to say. Um, and, uh, this particular time I just got up and ran away into another part of the house. Tom. Well, I have a few of them. Um, (laughs) uh, I hide by not answering the phone or opening mail. I do it less now, but that's definitely one, like you had mentioned about the, uh, the overdraft (laughs) mail. I've done that. And yeah, it certainly doesn't make it go away. Uh, find a nice surprise when you call the bank and find out that those things have been compounding. But uh, that was one that I used to do quite a bit before I got into the program. All right. I'm I'm having a hard time picking (laughs) (laughs) because, but I I think I'm going to start with, if I don't think about a problem, it will go away. I guess it's that sort of denial, maybe a little bit more than shutting down, but it's, it's, shutting out that particular problem that um, if if I pretend it's not there, it's it's not going to be a problem. And uh, I'm, I'm not coming up with a particular example of this right now. I know I have done this at, in the past at work uh, where maybe something's wrong and maybe it's not. And, and I'll just go do this other thing that I have to do. Um, and I won't think about that other one. And maybe it'll just go away, you know, magically. Um, you know, maybe the bank account will magically fix itself. Never happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be sh- Tom is shaking his head there. I, c- I can kind of relate to this one about I avoid difficult conversations at all costs. I mean, sometimes I can force myself to have them, but but it's it's hard. Um, and kind of going back to what what Carrie shared about her experience with her friend and not speaking for months. So I've had a, a similar experience. Recently, where I was going through some stuff that was pretty all-consuming, and I, you know, really didn't have much emotional energy left to spend on anything else, and um, a good friend of mine brought up something that, on the face of it, seemed like a an issue that, you know, we just address this one issue. But really, after thinking about it some more, I realized, like, no, this is really going to affect our whole friendship, and it kind of involves an entire friendship overhaul, and this is just going to be way more than I have energy to deal with at this point. And so I just kind of told her like, look, I can't deal with this right now. Let's, let's catch back up later when I'm in a better space. And, you know, things kind of went from being busy to also being bad in other ways. And, uh, you know, time has passed. And then I've thought like, okay, yeah, I really need to, it's been a while. I really want to reconnect with this friend. Um, but it's going to be a really awkward conversation. It'll be really difficult. So I've been putting it off and putting it off. And, you know, so I know I need to do it at some point, but I can relate to that uh, procrastination of, 
I, I don't quite know how to deal with this. Oh, hey, there's something else to do instead. Let's do that right now and just, you know, leave the hard things for later. Mm-hmm. Grace? Well, there are so many here that I identify with, but um, I guess one that I can think of uh, an example is when there's chaos around me, I can't do anything. I just shut down and retreat into my skull. So that kind of reminds me of when I uh, went to visit extended family who I hadn't seen in a very long time. We were at a hospital because somebody was gravely ill. So it was chaotic because of that situation, but, uh, add in that, you know, it's, it's a dysfunctional family and, you know, the disease is present. And, uh, I just was like overwhelmed, I guess. And, um, at, at least one point I had to leave the waiting room with, you know, 15 people in it. <laughs> And all the noise and, uh, conversation and, and go out to the car. I, I do remember calling my sponsor at that time, which really helped to remove me mentally from that situation. And, uh, it was early recovery. I only had, you know, a few months in the program. So it was difficult. And, and I had f- not really recognized that the disease was in that part of my family. Because I just had forgotten, I guess. It was like, boom! Uh, yeah. <laughs> Tom? Yeah, um, out of these statements here, I think a lot of them are, um, you know, different um, perspectives on the same thing. And I, I see myself in a lot of them, and a lot of, like, uh, like a lot of people are as well. And uh, what I see here is like a lot of extreme solutions um, to things that I that I'll, you know, re- completely remove myself from a situation or I'll completely close down from that or I'll fantasize better by a, about a better future, but I don't seem able to do anything to get there. Yeah, for me, I just be I seem to find myself keep resorting to extreme uh, measures uh, of safety uh, to protect myself against whatever that situation might be. You know, there's not opening that envelope or not taking that phone call or binge watching Netflix for, you know, three days or whatever my schedule allows me. Um, you know, those things are all solutions that don't need to be the only solution. And they're, they're very extreme. And, uh, in the program, we'll probably get into it a little bit more later, but in the program, I've, I've learned to be a little bit see, uh, gain a perspective of how being more even keel in a situation could actually be beneficial to my anxiety and stress level and things. I'm going to pick up I avoid difficult conversations at all costs because that is definitely something that I do. Um, I connected with Carrie's share when she was talking about where she and her friend had had a fight. She couldn't even remember what it was about, but she wasn't able to sort of get past that and reconnect. So there was just this silence for, for months or however long it was. I don't remember exactly. And, and I know that before I came to Al-Anon, that was a thing for me where um, I would do something that, you know, I felt I had somehow hurt somebody or somebody had hurt me. And more more being the codependent type, I thought I had hurt them. And so then every time I saw them, I would feel really awkward because, like, I should apologize or something, but I can't get those words out of my mouth. 
Um, <laughs> that would mean admitting I was wrong. Uh, and that would be, you know, that's impossible too. Uh, and so I just wouldn't talk to them. I would avoid them. Uh, if we had to interact, it would be at a very superficial level, just about whatever was going on. I think there were, there are some cases where like, I never, never reconnected with that person. Um, and the, in one case that I'm thinking about where I really offended a person and every time we saw each other after that, we were just like, you know, if we had to interact in a social situation or something, it was very formal. I eventually left the place where that happened and I haven't seen this person since then. And I mean, I suppose some amends are owed there if I ever see them again, which seems unlikely, but uh, you know, I just never, never reconnected that. I just shut off that part of my life. And we had been like really kind of close. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, this wall came down and I don't know what the other person thought, but I, didn't feel like I could ever like open that door up again. Part of that was just me not being able to figure out how to do it, not wanting to feel the pain that doing that might entail. So yeah, um, there's one here I added yesterday morning was actually in a meeting and somebody talked about sitting down next to somebody at an airport and having this conversation that was totally serendipitous and was wonderful. And I realized <laughs> I would never do that. Like I sit down and I put my bags on either side of me or I sit at the end of the row and I put my bags next to me. So nobody's going to sit down there because I don't want that interaction. And it's sort of, I mean, it's sort of, I mean, it's sort of a chaotic environment. And so to some extent I'm already overstressed. This is something that, we actually saw in uh, one of our kids when they were young, my wife used to work at the hospital and for whatever reason, um, the kid was there, and I don't know, you know, 10, 10, 11, 12, something like that. And they went to the hospital, they went to the cafeteria for lunch and, you know, the hospital cafeteria is like this big noisy space with lots of people, blah, 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 you know, and, and this kid almost went catatonic, like just was unable to respond to anything was just, totally, totally shut down. And, um, I think that, you know, therapists eventually told us that like they had uh, something like sensory defensiveness that was doing this and, and they did some therapy stuff to, to help with that. But, um, and actually in consequence of that, we sent them to a small middle school because going from an elementary school to a middle school with like 800 students, we figured was not going to be healthy, so in some cases, it's good to recognize that this is happening. Even if you don't know what to do about it, you can, you know, in this case, we did something to help it so that they were not in an environment where that was going to happen to them, where they were trying to learn at the same time as being shut down. Um, they eventually ended up going to the large public high school in, in our city, which has at that time had something like 2,800 students and did fine. So I guess whatever kind of grew out of it or something, but. Uh, I think I have a little bit of that myself. I have to say, I am completely the opposite. I'm like Chatty Cathy, and I think I got this uh, from one of my parents. I I'm that person that will have like the this conversation with the stranger. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know if that's a universal Al-Anon-ism or not. Well, you know, there are some places that I can do that, and there are other places where I just can't. And and I know, Tom, you you had marked that as one of the ones that you identified with. 
Yeah, if it's in a big situation, like you said, there's already an element of chaos. I'm already have Marty on high alert. So putting things physically to block people out is something that I have done and will probably continue to do for a while. If I'm in a, a smaller environment, I become that, that chatty Kathy and will talk to, to absolutely everybody. So it's very, um, large, large bodies of people, um, you know, uh, make that situation happen for me where I have to set up these physical, uh, walls very rigid. <laughs> mm-hmm. For me, I have a different take on it. So for me, I think a lot of the reasons why I shut down have to do with fear of being judged and having things come back to me. So I'm more likely to open up to somebody in an airport because I'm never going to see them again. Whereas like somebody that I now work with, oh no, what if I say the wrong thing? Every time they see me, they're going to be like, ah, oh, that, you know, that person, you know, clearly doesn't know anything or, you know, so I'm yeah, a lot of times that's what shuts me down is, oh, no, there's going to be judgments about me that are going to come back later. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I guess it's just a different trigger, but but similar shutting down. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't write this down here, but one of the places where I at least don't express myself, maybe I don't totally shut down, is when I'm talking to somebody that is a friend, an acquaintance, and maybe we have a really deep-seated disagreement about some social issue, some political issue, um, I'm likely to just not say anything. I will not express my opinion because, well, I'm a people pleaser, so I don't want to disagree. I don't want to be judged uh, as having a different opinion or as being, and I think I I can trace some of that back to when I was really young, uh, grew up in a fairly liberal family in a fairly conservative small town. And so my beliefs and opinions did not match with those of most of my peers. And so I think I learned there to just shut up, Uh, especially since I was also the nerd type and so um, would get bullied. And so I just don't do it. Just don't do it. Anybody else uh, got another one you want to talk about here? This is Grace. I could identify with the part here. I hide by not answering the phone or opening mail. I have hidden from friends. I've I, I've had points where I've had a, a a pretty active social life and then just uh, gone through a really difficult uh, breakup and didn't talk to friends for I don't know a couple months. And uh, I'd been seeing them, talking to them several times a week. I definitely just shut down. I was I was depressed for sure. So um, I could identify with that one. Not not answering the phone. I mean, I'm sure I answered like, "Oh yeah, nice to talk." You know, like, "Hi," uh, you know. I just say minimal things. How which are is you? Not char- Fine. Yeah, yes. not characteristic of me because I'm much more in like would contact people. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. while you were talking, I thought of something and now it's gone. I'll get back to it. <laughs> if somebody else has, okay. in the meantime, say. I'll just say that um, one way that I hide is kind of similar to what you were just talking about. Um, it's not so much the not answering, not answering the phone or not opening mail, but a lot of times like I'll read my email, but I won't respond. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see those messages Emails. 
great that way, isn't it? Yes, because you don't even know if I saw it, hopefully, unless you have that read receipt thing on. But anyway, um, but yeah, I, so I like reading things and then pretending that I haven't seen it so I don't have to respond because, again, a lot of what shuts me down is fear of judgment. So it's like I, I want the information for my own purposes, but I'm afraid of what you're going to judge me on by what I say and I don't know what to say yet. So let me like think about it for a really long time and maybe never even get around to saying anything. Yeah. So it's like, I, I know what's happening, but I'm just not telling you what's in my head. Cause I don't, I don't want your judgment. Yeah. When you were talking, Grace, I thought of the, the great big shutting down that, that happened in my life. And it's so funny that I didn't even think of it until you talked about sort of being in a, in this place at the, after a breakup, which what happened when my loved ones drinking got to a really, a state of starting to make my life unmanageable. Uh, we used to entertain a lot. We would go out with friends and all that stopped. I stopped talking to people about what was happening at home because I just couldn't, it was too painful. Uh, and I didn't know how to tell people. And again, the, the whole fear of judgment and stuff comes in the shame factor uh, that, you know, the isolation that the disease itself caused in my life and also, then I got really busy with, you know, well, trying to fix the situation and physically escaping. Uh, we we had, and I don't remember exactly when this happened. It was sometime after the kids were born and like we needed, you know, some alone time and some adult time. We had instituted a, you know, a parents night out, an individual parents night out. We each got a night of the week where we could go out and do whatever we wanted to do. I used that to escape. I used that to just be out of the house and not have to face what was happening. And it's it's kind of funny, a little bit scary that I've totally not even thought about that when this topic came up. Yeah, I can relate too. Really, it seems like a lot of where all this like hiding, isolating, shutting down kind of behaviors sort of stem from is there's something going on. It's shameful. I don't want people to know about it. So I'll just tell you the bare minimum. How are you doing? I'm fine. How was your day? It's fine. What did you do today? Oh, not much. You know, like that's it. You know, I'll just, I don't want to share much. And I definitely went through a similar kind of thing when, you know, when my husband was drinking a lot and I just didn't feel like I could talk about it, even with some of my closest friends, because, you know, people who aren't dealing with alcoholism don't understand. And there is a lot of judgment out there. Yeah, I remember just feeling like there were very few people I could tell. Really, for a while there, there was really no one I could tell exactly what was going on. Even with my closest friends, there was a level of hiding and distancing going on. So, one of the things that that I've learned in, in the 12-step program is that the process of doing inventory then helps me to see what I need to change, maybe not how I'm going to change it. So... I thought it might be good to just quickly look at, think about, you know, what have we learned about ourselves, about these how ways in which we shut down and escape uh, that uh, that we can then, uh, you know, hand over to our higher power or to our therapist or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so again, I have a list. I don't know if there are things that are not on the list that you identify with, but uh, we'll just go around quickly, Maria. Well, I guess I, I've kind of already mentioned this fear of criticism. Yeah. Um, yeah, fear of criticism and judgment and, um, just that I, I t just tend to isolate myself and just not let people in 
I don't know, people very close because I just don't want don't want that judgment. Which, yeah, so I guess that also kind of goes hand in hand with conflict avoidance. Grace. Well, okay. So what have I learned about myself? Well, um, I am just starting my fourth step. So I'm just starting to see that, well, I already knew I was conflict avoidant a long time ago. That's one of these things here on the list. But I'm just starting to, to see that when I do the, the, the mental blank kind of shut down where I can't get words out, maybe I even like start to have an anxiety attack. I'm, just starting to see what's behind that. And there's definitely fear because I have started to notice, okay, I'm afraid. Now I just need to work on it more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tom, any thoughts? Yeah. I think that, uh, in my, in my relationship, it's probably a lack of self self-worth and self-esteem issues that I have there. Um, and in, in my work, it's probably f- fear of criticism and rejection. Um, as I've started a business, uh, you know, um, it's a hard to take criticism because I've, I've worked really hard for, for one thing. And then when it's challenged by whether it's a customer or just some, some person that you're, you're talking about your business about and, and that person says, that they well has a critique and you know that's not really their area of um of expertise or anything you know it's hard for me to take it um i can say that in the program i uh, i've learned to be more open to these things without feeling attacked but the, that that fear of criticism still alive and well uh with me and there's still uh, there's some fear of bodily harm there just some some uh deep uh, issues with my parents um there is some abuse there so um still a subconscious fear of uh, of bodily harm. I, I don't think that I would ever think that that person actually would hurt me, but just it's a knee jerk reaction. If there's like a fast movement around me, you know, I, I shudder or, or move move away because it, it's just something that's happened to me in the past. Those are some of the things. And then uh, I've had some issues with isolating, binge watching Netflix. I've actually identified as not a healthy thing. <laughs> I thought it was a great, great idea for a while. <laughs> Isolating seemed to seemed heal. like all... a good idea at the time, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, two, halfway into a season, it seems really great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see. It's, it's only one in the morning. I can watch another episode. Yeah. What time do I have to be to work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then at six in the morning, it's like, why did I do that? Uh, well, you know, I made the list, so most of the things on it, uh, I think maybe somebody added to the list, but, uh, um, I'm going to highlight a couple here. There's the conflict avoidance, uh, so don't speak up, uh, lack of self-work or or self-esteem, uh, makes me feel like, um, maybe I, I can't say anything I don't have, or that, you know, it's not, it's not worth, uh, trying to fix the situation or something. I don't know exactly, um. Uh, the big one for me is is denial. Uh, it in the uh, like, don't open the mail, don't answer the phone. If if I don't do that, then if I don't know about a problem, maybe it actually won't happen. Uh, which hasn't really worked very well for me in 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 the past, but I kept trying it. Um, and uh, one of y'all at the beginning today, before we started. Uh, suggested uh, that there might be some ca- cases where it's actually healthy to to in some way shut down. And uh, I thought about the situation of, of traveling and being with family, especially at the holidays where I can get 
kind of just stressed from dysfunctional family dynamics uh, or other things going on, and and I just need to escape for a little while. And I don't know that that's necessarily shutting down. I know that there have been times uh, during like visits to my parents where I just kind of get overwhelmed with whatever's happening, uh, especially with my parents getting older and and you know the fear of they're going to get sick and die. Uh, and, and at some point I just have to, have to remove myself and I'll just like go into our bedroom and lie down and pretend to take a nap. And maybe I actually will take a nap and maybe that's a good thing. So I don't know, Maria. So yeah, when I was thinking about shutting down, it seems like a lot of it, it, it's sort of hard to know. Like there's, you know, it can be a negative thing where it's just a fear reaction and et cetera. But But sometimes a lot of aspects of this can actually be healthy. Like, you know, thinking about myself and my own experiences, like, um, I think a lot of my cases of shutting down actually started out as a healthy reaction. So, for example, a situation with my friend that I haven't spoken with in a long time, I think in the beginning it actually was a healthy reaction for me to say, you know what, I'm going through way too much stuff right now to deal with this extra really stressful thing, and I need to set this boundary that I'm not going to talk about it right now. You know, in some ways, shutting down, I think, can be a healthy way of setting boundaries and creating space for ourselves and getting our own needs met. But then, then I know at least I have a tendency to like start out with a healthy boundary and then like take it too far. And then it's not healthy anymore. Like, you know, once it, once it's stretched out into procrastination and then more and more time goes on and I don't really have a reason not to deal with it anymore, except that I kind of don't want to because it's a little scary. Like that's the point where I know where it's 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 no longer healthy. But but a lot of these things are slippery slopes. Like that first episode of of a Netflix, you know, binge. That first episode seems like, oh, you know, I've worked really hard. I need a chance to relax and have some fun. This is healthy. This is what normal people do, right? This is fine. It's that like second through twelfth episode that will do you in. <laughs> so for me, it's a question of finding balance with it. Yeah. Good. Grace, any thoughts? Well, earlier I, I shared how I um, was a visiting family and, and somebody was gravely ill and uh, there was a hospital. Yeah, and yeah. So I think that was good for me to leave that situation because I was very early in the program. I didn't have tools. There were multiple addicts in various forms of recovery or not recovery. You know, somebody was literally dying it was it was good to get away and and that kind of uh taking a break mm-hmm. but um detaching i mean in Al-Anon we learn about detachment with love and um i think in some of the the prompts and some things that people had suggested to read about this this topic for this episode somebody had mentioned something and it talked about detaching, but it talked about detaching in a bad way. So I just want to clarify that in Al-Anon, detachment typically means um, detachment for a healthy reason, detaching uh, in the sense of the opposite of um, being enmeshed or codependent. Tom? Yeah, balance. That's uh, that's, a, that's that's where it hits home for me. Uh, before recovery, um, I actually didn't do a whole lot of shutting down. There's probably the occasion, but what I did... I actually shut down now is like is a different safety mechanism. Before I would fly off the handle with some un, uncontrolled emotional outburst or you know 
say something back, you know, in exchange, uh, volley, you know, volley back something else that's negative. Um, that's what I used to do before. I actually find that I'm, I'm shutting down in, in different ways now in recovery. And I think that it's my form of putting some distance so I can think it through, whether mm-hmm. it's obsessively or, <laughs> or it's not deep enough. You know, I'm, I'm not, I haven't quite found that balance, but I'm looking for it. And I think that shutting down is, is a form of that, um, searching. And, and, and I think that in some ways and sometimes it's actually created less devastation than, than pre-recovery. Uh, you know, I don't have to necessarily go back and make an amends for saying something awful. You know, I could relate with, for, for, I, I still am, uh, just a lot less. And, uh, I can relate with some things you said, Spencer, about, you know, having different opinions than other people, but keeping them to yourself. I didn't keep them to myself quite often. <laughs> and because of that, it, it created, you know, a volatile situation for, for other people. I'd walk into a room and then everybody else might shut down a little bit and, <laughs> and, and so that's why now I, I deal with it in a different, different way. And in an early recovery, earlier recovery, it was just very extreme. It was very unbalanced and it, it it's more balanced now and still rather, um, there's, there's still some, uh, extreme hasty reactions that I completely will shut down at, at times, but I still think that there, there, that can be a healthy thing for me because it gives me some chance to, to mull over what, what just happened, you know? So to use Carrie's metaphor, you're in oven, not a microwave. You need to now, have a process. Now I am. I've, I've been the microwave. <laughs> oh, now you're, you were the microwave and now you're more of a, more of an oven. Yeah. I just want to be a microwave <laughs> oven. <laughs> I want to be, I want to be, find that balance between the two of them. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's um, let's talk about some solutions here. Uh, we spent, I think, enough time in the problem. <laughs> so, uh, the question I wrote is: What tools can I use to face daily conflicts, problems, and discomfort of dealing with other people or situations? And uh, we'll go with the other way around the circle, Tom. <laughs> yeah, I have a uh, I have a couple of readings here that really hit home for me, and. Uh, they have to do with uh, safety and de- defensiveness. So in the Hope for Today, page uh, 88, I liked this uh, the, this portion the, the most. This is when I feel afraid of making a wrong choice. I know steps eight and nine will help me make amends and clean my slate. The steps provide me with guidance and the traditions and concepts of service ensure that those steps, as well as the other elements of the program, will not easily sway, uh, not sway away easily. Um, so that was, uh, that was, uh, hit home for me there that I have, um, some, some solutions there in the program. Later on, it says, uh, there are hugs and encouragement that I get from members. They shower me with the acceptance and affection for which I've always yearned. Finally, there's that special connection between my sponsor and me, which provides me with the intimacy that feeds my soul. And, uh, encouraged to change on page 262. I like uh, I like this this part where it says I, when I was very new to the program I would say I'm better off now than I was before I came to Al-Anon. I'll keep coming back. When I grew frustrated because of the changes I wanted to make in myself, I said at least I'm aware of the problems. Now I know what I'm dealing with. And recently I found myself saying, if someone had told me a year ago that I would be here where I am today, 
I would not have believed it possible. That that sums it up perfectly for me. I, I didn't know exactly what changes were happening for me in the program, but I knew that things were better, and that and that today to this day is why I keep coming back. I I, I am much more aware now than I was before. And it's aiding me in, in solutions. And I haven't necessarily found all the solutions. I'm trying different things out and seeing what works well for me. And, you know, there isn't a one solution fits all um, because every situation is different. Um, but I'm realizing that the more time and space I put in between it, the more I can dwell on it. And, and when that situation that's similar to that one arises again, I don't have to take as much time. And um, I don't necessarily have to shut down um, every time or in, in such an extreme fashion. Those are some of the the things I use today from the program. How about you, Grace? What, what tools do you use? I like the serenity prayer. I like uh, my own prayers, meditation. I try different different ways of meditating. Checking in with uh, program people. Mm-hmm getting their perspective that helps me deal with the problem with people. Well, that's pretty much it. (laughs) Maria? I feel like the serenity prayer has helped me a lot. Just having that focus on, you know, trying to keep track of what, what can I do something about? What can't I? And then, you know, with the, the conflict avoidance, the, the courage as far as changing the things I can, I think it's is key to focus on that. And also just inventory. Like I think the longer I've been in the program, the more I'm just aware of what I'm doing and what my motives are. Yeah. And that's that's key, I think. Before the program it was just like, well, this thing is happening and um and I feel this way and I don't know why and you know, I'm just gonna react. And and now I can kind of step back and go, What are What's my part in all of this? What are my motivations for wanting to act in the ways I'm tempted to? And is this healthy? Is this not healthy? And that kind of thing. You know, another, another thing that I do is, you know, sometimes I'll have like too long of a time span where I know I'll be on by myself and could potentially like spiral down into some sort of funk. And so one thing that I do is just make schedule plans with other people for some point within that day, just so that I can't, you know, stay home, like hiding under a blanket on the couch all day. Uh, Cause I have to be somewhere, you know, and that helps me get out of my own little funk of my own little world and like go out and talk to people and feel good and feel good about myself and like keep, keep functioning in the world. Yeah. I have this thing with denial, with not opening the mail, not answering the phone, right? And uh, and also, uh, there was this thing about oh, got to find it now. Turning turning pro- chewing problems in my head over and over instead of doing something, or uh, and also in the middle of the night. And uh, what really helps with that is trying to stay in the moment to um, to know that if I can't fix something right now. If I've done whatever I can now, um, that I can let go of it for now, that it doesn't have to to stay with me and consume all my attention that otherwise could be given to life. Um, so the one day at a time uh, concept is is really important for that. That maybe there's a problem, but maybe it's not 
it's not something I can do something about right now. And so let's not bring the problem into today. Um, let's leave it for, for when I can deal with it. Uh, the reading that, that you read, Tom, talked about steps eight and nine. And I wrote here practicing step 10, which is sort of the same thing, mm-hmm. that when we were wrong, we promptly admitted it. And that that helps me to not be in that space where I see somebody that I feel that I've wronged in some way and I feel really awkward about it and I avoid them uh, and thereby shutting down a, you know, a friendship or a relationship of some sort. Uh, if I can uh, admit when I'm wrong, then I don't have those feelings. I don't have that, oh my God, oh, that person, I'm going to walk the other direction kind of feeling anymore. So self-acceptance, and I think um, the reading from Hope for Today talked about self-acceptance right? New solutions to old problems begins with self-acceptance or change. And so the inventory and the the steps process gives us a way to change. Self-acceptance helps for where I'm just feeling insufficient in myself, and that's the reason that I'm shutting down. And there's not really anything that needs to, well, you know, I can change my, change, you know, change to have more self-acceptance, right? I guess that's still change. But so those are some of the tools that that I can use. And, and one of the ones that is, is key for me in the sort of the funk when I'm in the funk and I just, you know, everything's horrible or whatever, everything's gray, um, is a practice of gratitude of thinking about things that are right in my life, thinking about things that are right today in this moment. Um, Hey, I have light and heat in my house, even though it's gray and rainy and cold outside. If I can find some small thing, it'll help to pull me out of that that place. Um, so those are some of the program tools. And also, I think, again, as you were reading, Tom, I thought about this notion of progress, not perfection, of recognizing that I keep taking steps forward. And yeah, this sort of stuff still happens. But as you say, maybe it happens less or it happens less severely, um, that my tools are working, that that things are changing, that that. Um, this is happening maybe less often um, or in fewer situations. I had another reading here that I think I want to close with. This is from the book How Al-Anon Works, which is our basic Al-Anon text. And it's from chapter 33. I don't have a page number because I got it from the Kindle version. But chapter 33, which is titled, A Survivor of Family Alcoholism Deals with Fear. I still don't know much about healthy friendships. I don't know what is normal or appropriate in many everyday situations. What do people talk about? How often do they call each other? If I'm willing to take a risk, my sponsor is a safe person for me to learn with. She patiently accepts me, no matter how awkward or backward I am. She gently encourages me to try new behavior, such as talking about my problems and feelings. My fear of being close has really become evident in this special relationship. Opening up to her has been an extremely slow and often frustrating process. Just learning to call her consistently has been a struggle. I get impatient and angry with myself for so frequently shutting down and running away. Sometimes I get so scared that everything I intend to tell her flies out of my head and I go blank. Yeah, you found it. <laughs> 337. Page 337 is the beginning of the chapter. This is this is somewhere in the middle of the chapter. and And I think... What I liked about that paragraph is it's both a statement of the problem and a recognition of progress. Um, and, and that, that the person who wrote this is somewhere in the middle of that, of that, that progress. 
After a short break, we will continue with our lives in recovery, where we talk about how recovery works in our daily lives and in our meetings. And the first musical selection uh, was suggested to me by Eric B., who joined me on the meditation episode last week. Uh, you can listen to this on the website at therecoveryshow.com slash 152. And Christina Perry with her song, Jar of Hearts. And Eric says, this was my daughter's anthem when she was away at age 13 in a 30-day program for suicidal ideation attempts and self-injury. And I figured if if this is a song that that could help somebody who was that far down, maybe it can help us when we're not quite that far down. This, this week uh, has been a very hectic one. It seems for me that it doesn't take much to throw off a balance of my, of my schedule. My schedule is kind of chaotic, but it has a little bit of uh, structure for it. So these last couple of weeks have been a little bit uh, less structured. So I've been really looking forward to my weekly Al-Anon meeting on Sunday and uh, meeting with my sponsor. I've just got some frustrations that life just seems to present. It's a week of gratitude in the same time because I have uh, someone to talk to and I have a program that's there for me um, that really helps me through these things. So it's not such a feeling of dread. <laughs> there is a hope for these problems and uh, I don't have to have a, a week of gray days. I can have a, a brief moment and, and move on from it. So that's kind of where I am right now. Thanks, Sam. Grace. This week has been, um, well, I should say one day this week has been difficult and it's reminded me that my recovery is not like a, like a straight incline up, like a roller coaster. Like when you're going up the first big hill, it, it's, you know, up and down, up and down. In general, I'm getting better. I had an anxiety attack and I used to get those a lot earlier on in the program. So it's reminded me that things are, are improving because I, I thought, hey, you know, this used to happen like almost daily sometimes. And it doesn't anymore. I can't remember the last one I had. And I am making progress. So that reminds me that I am happier. And I attribute that to the program that I have uh, been working and I guess when, when I have like a, a crisis, it reminds me of the, the old days or the beginning of the program. And, um, I kind of have a chance to see my progress, which I already said, but it, I have a chance to touch base with the, uh, the basic tools that we first learn when we come in of, am I taking care of myself right now? The serenity prayer. What can I do something about what, what can't I change? I'm also really grateful for having a, a romantic relationship with somebody in recovery so that, um, I can speak the same language, you know, and I, and I have another person that I'm close to who I can talk about my, my program and it's been really nice. So that's all I've got. Thanks. Hey, Maria. Yeah. So my week has been a little bit hectic. Um, so I, for the past couple of weeks, I've been a little bit nuts because I um, just decided to apply to grad school on the, like the last very last minute basis. I had thought all the deadlines were 
too far gone, but then suddenly there was an opportunity, and I figured, oh, maybe if I just do an all-out push, I can make it happen. Anyway, that has affected my recovery in that I've not been able to make it to my usual Sunday night meetings for a couple of weeks, and I've been spending all my time just kind of solely focused on that. It's been, you know, just work and and think about this application pretty much has been my entire life. So in some ways it was, uh, it kind of seemed like a going back to like pre-program days of no self-care and just like this all out push for something else. But I knew that it was a temporary thing. I knew that it was my choice to do this and that it would be over quick, fairly quickly. And, and it would all, it would all work out. So it, it's, in that sense, I knew that it wasn't, even though it felt similar to a pre-program kind of, oh, what was it that Carrie said, um, the to-do list, to do yourself to death or something like that. <laughs> to do um, yourself to death. Yes. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's been kind of like that. But it's it's felt different because I know I'm doing it for a temporary reason and it's a conscious choice and I'm okay with that and I'm okay with the, the consequences of you know life being a little unbalanced for this particular week. Um Although I was able to, I had been taking a class during um, one of my other usual meeting times, so I hadn't been able to make it to that meeting for months, and this past week was the first time I was able to get back to that meeting. So that was nice to get there, and it's a really large meeting, which actually, going back to the shutting down thing for a second, it, it just occurred to me that like I, I can actually shut down in that meeting, because it's so large that I can just list sit back and listen and not even think about contributing anything so so that's kind of a good kind of shutting down maybe well i don't know okay. i'm not sure if that's i mean it, it kind of goes both ways like maybe it's good because i'm you know learning more because i'm not talking but maybe it's bad because i'm not offering myself you know offering anything of myself to the group i don't know again sort of a balanced thing but anyway so it was it was good to get back to that meeting and um reconnect with some people i hadn't seen in a while yeah, that was that was my week. How about you, Spencer? My week. Um work. Let's see. So I've started working with um a new team at work. I'm now actually on two teams. Um I'm one of the four software architects in the organization and as we are starting to do more smaller projects, we're getting spread out over multiple teams. And so I started working with a team that's just sort of starting up a new project and as I was brought onto the team, the person who's leading it said, Hey, Spence, let's, can we have a little meeting? And like, so we went to conference room and shut the door and, and, uh, yeah. And she said, so I just, I want to say like, this team's working really well. Everybody's getting along really well. And I know that sometimes like, you know, you can be kind of loud and, and opinionated and, and forceful. And, and I just wanted to like, sort of say, ask you to please be aware of that and, and to, you know, work really hard on, on whatever. And I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, because, you know, this is, I mean, this is one of my character defects that I could, when I, when I really feel strongly about something, I let people know. Um, and I let people know in ways that are not necessarily healthy. Generally just sort of getting loud and talking over people and stuff like that. I mean, it's not like I, you know, hit people or anything like that, it's, which is especially hard when we're on a video conference, right? <laughs> um, uh, and so I thought, okay, you know, 
I guess I should have seen this coming because I've had this, I've had this conversation with this particular person before, not exactly the same conversation, but she, she calls me out on my shit, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Okay. I need to be called out on it sometimes. I didn't necessarily appreciate being called out on it sort of before it happened, but I understand where she's coming from. And, and so Later this week, I guess this must have been like the week before. Anyway, so at some at some point during this week, she came up to me and she said, "Hey, I just want to let you know. I thought, you know, I think you're doing really well with the team." Um, and and you know that gave me a good feeling, and I recognized that this is a person who says what she thinks, um, who's not afraid to say what she thinks. Like I would never say that to somebody, right? Unless I was in the brain disconnected from mouth phase that I get into sometimes hmm. where stuff just comes out with no filter. I can relate. Um, and <laughs> um, she gave me the, okay, let's, let's not let this happen. But then when it, when I was not doing that, she also came and said, yeah, I see you're not doing it. And I really appreciate it. It's kind of a balance. And I, I learned to take this constructive um, feedback uh, you know, I'm learning to, to, to take that and, and to try to give it as well, I guess. Um, so work things, uh, last Sunday, and here's another place where, mm, okay. Conflict avoidant, um, last Sunday, uh, some people came into our Al-Anon meeting looking for, um, a particular form of meeting that the website said we had, um, and we didn't. Uh, and we made accommodations. We tried to, to meet their needs. And then later in the week, I got a, an email from one of the people who came in who is somebody that I've had correspondence with on other topics who said, look, this happened. And, and they also like CC'd the, the district representative or something and said this happened. And, you know, clearly the person wasn't happy that it happened. And I can understand that. But at the time on Sunday... I didn't say anything. I just went with the flow. I went with what, you know, somebody asked me, Hey, can you come sit at this table? And and we did a first step and there was a bunch of young people. So it was kind of like they were looking for, actually they were looking for LT and it wasn't there. So we did the best we could. And, and I kind of felt like I, I should say something, but I don't know why I should say I should defend the meeting or what. I don't know. And, <laughs> and you know, it was my codependency. I want to make everybody like feel good. And there was no way I could make everybody feel good. So I just didn't say anything. And so when the email came, um, I wrote back and I tried to just be factual about my understanding of what the situation was um, and not inject defensiveness or feelings or whatever into it. I hope I did a reasonable job with that. I don't know. Um, uh, so Grace over there is nodding. I guess uh, you you were involved in this a little bit too. Yeah. It was a good meeting. Uh, and there was there were several people there who were, who were new and, and we did a first step table. Um, I think that's about what I've got for my week. And Grace wants to say something. I have a shout out. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say uh, hi to a listener who is a, a friend who uh, just had a baby this morning. Oh, well, congratulations to that. Always a new, new uh, person in the program real, real early, huh? Hmm. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Bring, 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 bring the baby to the meeting so that they, they get the program. Uh, Alatot. Alatot, yeah. They do have that. 
just not here. <laughs> not here. Yep. Oh, and and actually, there was one other thing that that happened this week. We had the first in what is hopefully a series of Al-Anon open talks um, for the district. Yeah, bummed I couldn't make it. It uh, it was it was um, somebody that I have known in the program for a while, uh, and uh, talked about the just for today. I guess it's like the bookmark or whatever, just for today, I will this and that, and and talked about um, her experience with each of sort of each of those just for todays and and uh, how she uses that in her life. And it was it was pretty good. It was I thought it was a decent turnout uh, for a fairly short notice and the first time that that has happened. Um, and uh, hopefully there will be some more. So there will be. Okay, so I'm still. Uh, not sure what upcoming topics. I, I have this feeling that next weekend I'm actually kind of busy with other stuff, so I might throw in an open talk. I have a great one uh, sort of uh, in the bullpen, as it were. Um, this is a guy that uh, I had heard uh, on a, a talk on CD back when I was new in the program, and, and I thought he had a – I really liked his open talk, and now this is an updated version of that where – and it's really interesting to hear the same person as they sort of progress in their program. Um, he had some, some really great wisdom to share and, and there were some things that I really identified with. So might do that or, uh, might be able to get a discussion about another one of the gifts of Al-Anon. Uh, this one is our site. Once clouded and confused, we'll clear and we will be able to perceive reality and recognize truth. And I might ask, how is this gift appearing in your life? You can contribute, just as Carrie did today. Uh, leave us a voicemail, email uh, with your feedback or your questions about today's topic as well. And Tom, how can people send us feedback? You can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. Call right now to 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send us an email to feedback at com. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope, or your questions about today's topic of shutting down as a defense, or any of our upcoming topics. If you have a topic you'd like to t- us to talk about, let us know. Grace, where can our listeners find out more about The Recovery Show? Our website, therecoveryshow.com, has all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, an occasional blog, and links to the music we talk about. We've also got links to other recovery podcasts and websites that we like. If you'd really like to join the conversation, literally, consider being a guest host by phone, Skype, or Google Hangout. Email feedback at therecoveryshow.com if you're interested. We will take a short break before diving into the mailbag. Our second musical selection available on the website is Here by Alessia Cara. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Anyway, um, it's so this is a song about a girl who's at a party and she really doesn't want to be there. And it kind of seems like she's maybe shutting down a little bit. So some of the lyrics, I'm sorry if I seem uninterested or I'm not listening or I'm indifferent. Truly, I ain't got no business here. But since my friends are here, I just came to kick it. But really, I would rather be at home all by myself, not in this room with people who don't even care about my well-being. I don't dance. Don't ask. I don't need a boyfriend. So you can go back. Please enjoy your party. 
And then the song goes on. And then at the very and at the end of it, um, she continues and says, so holler at me. I'll be in the car when you're done. <laughs> so basically, she's she just really doesn't want to be at this party. And it's it's so bad that she's she she would prefer to, like, sit in the car by herself and wait for her friends than having to to suffer through this party, which is, you know, theoretically, like a party is supposed to be fun. Right. <laughs> and, like, theoretically. People are, are uh, you know, supposed to be wanting to be there and enjoying this. And she's she's just really not having it. It just it just struck me as pertinent to this topic because it, it oh, we can't we talked about like the three ways of shutting down and it seems like here she's kind of emotionally emotionally shutting down mentally shutting down and then at the end she's just like I'm out of here she's just I'm going to the car I am physically shutting down like I just I don't want to do this yeah and and I can kind of relate to this idea of like she's there like talking about how she feels or she's not really listening like that I can relate to that sense of of shutting down like I'm in this situation but I'm kind of mentally checking out and I yeah just just shutting down so I thought it was a good example of that um so you can uh, go over to the website and check that out can we get some uh uh, email this week. Uh, you want to start, Maria? Sure. So Solange left a comment on the intimacy episode on our website. She writes, My name is Solange. I am a grateful Al-Anon, and I did not donate to this episode, but it was for me. <laughs> She's got three exclamation marks there. Uh, I just recently started listening to your podcast. I found it by accident, desperate to hear some exper- experience, strength, and hope. My higher power brought me right here. I needed to hear this message because I am struggling with this same issue. I thought I was the only one, but I was so able to relate and actually be honest and open to my husband. I'm looking forward to hearing everything you all have to share. You have got me hooked. Thank you. Thank you, Solange. Uh, And that uh, intimacy episode is at therecoveryshow.com slash 141. We got uh, an email from Pat. Hey, Spencer. This is Pat from the West Coast. Um, I'm calling about the four-step inventory talk from a couple of weeks ago uh, in April 2016. Um, it was really interesting to hear about how AA does their four-step inventory based on the big book. But I thought since a lot of podcast listeners seem to be new to Al-Anon or haven't worked the steps yet, that it would be helpful to share that the AA version isn't typical of how Al-Anon does a four-step inventory in my experience. In particular, the speakers refuse to acknowledge assets that their sponsees list in their inventory, which um, really kind of surprised me. I think many of us are challenged by poor self-esteem and a lack of self-love and perfectionism. Another thing was that the, the big book seems to be provide only one way to do the inventory. Um, and Alan in, you know, really seems, it emphasizes a balanced inventory that acknowledges both assets and character defects. So, and the other thing that's um, kind of cool is that we do have really good conference-approved literature that provides a, a wide range of possible approaches to doing a four-step inventory like Blueprint for Progress and Paths to Recovery. And I know someone right now who's using Survival to Recovery to do the four-step with their sponsee. So I just thought I'd finish with um, a few passages from Paths to Recovery 
from the step four chapter that kind of reflects step four as I've experienced it. So steps one, two, and three taught us, this is page 38, taught us about the disease of alcoholism, that we were are powerless over the disease and that a power greater than ourselves can return us to sanity if we so desire. As in climbing a staircase, we are at the next step, a step for spiritual self-discovery. In nine simple words, step four challenges us to take a thorough look at ourselves, the positive as well as the negative. Al-Anon members worldwide experience the power the step offers. By using the collective experiences of these members, we learn there is no one way to take the four-step inventory. We are repeatedly told that the single key to this step is to take action by doing it. Many have worked this step because they were told it would help them in recovery. Others attempted to begin working this step without the help of a sponsor or Al-Anon friend and in fear abandoned it. By asking for willingness from a higher power, working with a sponsor, listening in four-step meetings, and reading Al-Anon conference-approved literature, members can continue this incredible journey of self-knowledge. Lovingly, we are told to approach step four with self-love, kindness, honesty, and balance. And then also from the end of the chapter part on page 42, um, it says, if we are likely to take an inventory only of our faults, it is advisable to return to the first three steps until enough acceptance and trust in the help of our higher power has been achieved to approach step four with love, kindness, honesty, and balance. It is essential that our inventory include our assets as well as our defects of character. Um, so I hope that's helpful. I've thought carefully about this for the last couple weeks and um, wanted to share those thoughts. And then also wanted to tell you that the Emotional Safety and Emotional Security podcast was really amazing, super cool, and I've listened to it a couple times already. Um, and I just... Totally appreciate all the work you do on this and, and all of your sharings. And just like anything else, that AA broadcast was really, it was interesting and it had some things that I might use in my own personal inventory in the future. And, you know, like we always say, take what you like and leave the rest. So thanks again so much and have a great week. Bye-bye. Thanks, Pat. Um, thank you for the reminder that uh, in our Al-Anon literature uh, really more than suggests that that we consider our assets as well as our character defects. Um, and uh, I have found uh, significant differences of opinion among uh, some of the AAs that I know and AAs that I've listened to open talks from about whether to include assets on the inventory or not. Uh, I think the, the, the way in which the, the, the fourth step is explained in the big book definitely pretty much doesn't, but that, uh, um, I've heard some AAs express the opinion that, in fact, they they need to they need to consider themselves, and and I've heard it. You know, the first person I needed to make amends to was myself, uh, as well. And uh, and that's not something that's in the, at least it's not in the big book literature. I know there's a lot of other literature, but what I one of the reasons I played that was that that I know people in uh, Al-Anon, and in fact, I have used. Uh, some of the that column-based approach for doing a, a smaller inventory, um, it's a little more compact and, and quicker. Uh, I was doing a fear inventory, for example, and so I was able to pull out that worksheet uh, on the fear inventory and just use it uh, directly. 
but there were some things I didn't really understand about it. And I felt that that particular podcast explained some of those things I didn't understand. Um, I don't know if either of you has thoughts about inventory and in particular about the, maybe the AA uh, in inventory process. Well, I've done a fourth step in a, another 12 step program and um, my sponsor definitely did take some time to talk about my, uh, the character assets um, that he heard in doing my fifth step, which is, you know, talking over your fourth step with, with another person. Mm-hmm. And so um, I've heard uh, many other people share that those character assets were not mentioned at all by their sponsors and uh, made me grateful. <laughs> uh, good moment for a gratitude list there. I was grateful that I had a, a sponsor that uh, definitely pointed those things out and uh, showed me that um, there's a balance there um that some people don't have and you know i came out of the whole fifth step not bumming <laughs> i felt pretty good um i felt like i had a, a clear path on uh, what to work on and in the process of doing my fourth step i had definitely uh, found some um some reoccurring um trends in my life and and it, it was uh it was stressful while i was doing it um, but when I got through it, it was uh, it was a relief, and uh, it's really helped me move forward in that program. Thanks, Tom. You have any thoughts, Maria? Yeah, so I've I've only done a fourth step in the Al-Anon program, so that's all I can speak to. But um, I I definitely didn't do it the short way. <laughs> um, I and uh, I, I appreciate that there is a short way, um, but I my experience was with the Blueprint for Progress, which um, for those of you that are uh, not familiar is like a 90 or so page book of, of questions. So it was very extensive. I think I spent about two years on it or something, but, but it was good. And I very much appreciated the having the assets uh, to focus on as well as the defects because I felt like it, it gave me a sense that it was, uh, that I was getting a more accurate picture of myself and not just, I think if I had focused only on the defects, it would have just felt like beating myself up. Yeah. And it might have felt like this is just a, a negative view of who I am. Whereas having both sides of it made me feel like, no, I, I, um, I have some good things and some bad things and, and being able to look at it all, uh, from both sides gave me confidence that it was not just, um, me convincing myself of one thing or another, but it was more of an accurate picture. Okay. Thanks. Uh, and Tom, you've got something. Yeah. I've sent a copy of the pamphlet, The 12 Steps as a Guide to Healthy Relationships, from the Houston Allen on Intergroup. The introduction says, It is said that the unity of Alcoholics Anonymous and Al-Anon is the most cherished quality of our fellow our fellowship have. Our lives and the lives of all to come depend squarely on it. The practice of our 12 steps puts our lives in order, but not necessarily our relationships. How to live successfully with others can be found within our traditions. They are, in reality, guidelines for our behavior. Unfortunately, many times in our fellowships, we find members who are getting healthy and their partners are getting healthy, but the relationships are far from healthy. Getting well does not necessarily mean that you will be able to retain all your relationships. However, if if, if the use of the application of the 12 traditions are in are used in the relationships, they can also become healthy, providing both partners make unity the most important part of the relationship. The same principle can be used in any relationship, i.e. marriage, friends, relatives in the in, in the workplace, shopping, driving, literally 
wherever we come into contact with others. The following material is a result of studying these traditions in relation to having a healthy marriage or other relationships and discussions held one-on-one and in groups over the last several years. You will note that we have reworded the traditions while retaining the principles in order to adapt them to relationships. The ideas and principles contained herein have been tested in our homes and in our relationships and have been found to work when we work them. We hope they will work for you too. And and thanks, Eva, for sending that. I will put um, a link to this uh, pamphlet uh, or whatever in, in the uh, show notes at therecoveryshow.com slash 152 if you want to read them. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show, but we do have expenses which run about $60 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Lucy, Talinda, Michelle, and Solange did. Thank you, Lucy, Talinda, Michelle, and Solange, for your support. We have put together a list of recovery-related books. Click on the books link at the top of the page. If you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, we will receive a small commission. In fact, anything you order from Amazon after clicking on one of the links will help us. It costs you nothing extra and helps to keep us on the air. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, including just listening to us. We are here for you. And uh, the last song selection is a little bit different. I I was Googling uh, about you know songs for escaping reality or whatever, and um, I found a bunch of playlists and suggestions for songs that would help you escape reality. I was looking for songs about escaping reality and one person suggested like anything trance. Well, that's not my musical style, but it it made me think of a group from the eighties called the Cocteau twins who, and they play this very sort of layered meditative music uh, with the vocals that, I can almost never understand the words of the vocals. And it just is this very, it's sort of this, this musical texture that I can sink into and kind of just um, drift away from reality for a little while. So I thought I would pick one of those as the third song. And the one I picked is also, uh, the title is topical because it's called Throughout the Dark Months of March and April, <laughs> which is a place that I would rather escape. Although you April have, is getting it's May. Nice. It's, it's officially yeah, May You're right, now. it's we May. We made yes. it through. Uh, we did make it through. And, and it's gray May. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little gray today, but well, yeah. uh, we still got the trees and flowers blooming outside. So that's, that's a good thing. Anyway, you can listen to all of these uh, at therecoveryshow.com slash 152. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.